going to continue our series on the foundations of our church. And so there are seven kind of foundational principles, and uh, we're going to share those. A couple weeks ago, went out front, just took a picture of the building. I uh, photoshopped a really nice parking lot there that really doesn't look quite that nice out there. But anyway, I just, by Photoshop. But underneath every church, there's always a foundation. People ask, what are your foundational beliefs? Well, the bedrock foundation of what we believe is loving God is absolutely the main thing. And so when people say, what is the main thing? I believe Jesus answered that when he was asked, what is the most important commandment? And he said, it's to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors, ourselves." On these two hang all the law and the prophets. And really, everything we're about as a church should be to develop a love relationship with God, number one, and then to develop a love relationship with others. And by the way, these two always go hand in hand. Last week, Brett preached about the family, and I believe the family, again, is vitally, vitally important. I've seen people that got so busy at church, they literally sacrificed their family. I don't think God ever wants you to sacrifice your family for ministry. Church is important, but you should never sacrifice your family for church. And so he did a great job sharing about that. Appreciate Brett. And today we're going to talk about worship. You know, part of what we're about as a family is coming together to worship. As a matter of fact, most people that check out a church start by attending a worship service to see what a church is all about. It's interesting that uh, one community did a survey, and they surveyed people out in the community who weren't going to church, and they asked them, why are you not attending church? Not any one specific church, but just church in general. Why don't you go to church? And so I'm going to give you the top six reasons that people gave in this community of why they did not attend a church. We'll see how many you would have got. Number six, the church makes me feel guilty. All right, that was the number six reason given why people did not attend church. Number five, the services are boring. All right, how many of you have ever heard that said about church? I've heard people say, man, it's like going into a funeral home, man. It is boring. I don't know what's going on in there, but I hope it doesn't catch, all right? And so sometimes the church service is, we're told that it's boring. Number four, the church doesn't meet my needs, just doesn't relate, doesn't connect to the church. Number three, I'm unable to relate to the message. I'm unable to relate to the message. Number two, I'm unable to relate to the music. And the number one reason people gave for not attending church is what? The church is always asking for money. And we're going to take up an offering right now. I just feel like, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Don't leave. All right. So I'm just saying that's the six reasons people gave for not attending church. Is it important public worship? He said, I, I, want to just, I just want to worship God out the lake. And you can worship God out the lake. But why, does, why do we come together? Why is part of community important? Why is worshiping together so important. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, let's just read it together. I'll have you all join me. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, 
but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. And I want to look at that in the Amplified Bible. And again, if you're looking for an extra study Bible, the Amplified Bible is a good one. It's probably not a good one to memorize because it's a little bit longer. But the Amplified Bible says it this way. Let's read together. Not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. I get the idea. We get the word prostrate from that particular word. And according to Strong's, it means uh, to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand, to kneel down, to prostrate oneself in reverence. And by the way, if you go through the Gospels and find those instances where people worship Jesus, I believe without exception, they fell at his feet and they worshiped him. A part of worship is understanding and coming into the presence of God. And when we really get in the presence of God, I mean, the number one thing we want to do is just get on our face. And maybe, I mean, you may have experienced a moment with God driving down the road where you felt like you had to pull off the road and just just have a moment with God. You know, people say to me, Pastor, we're missing. I wish we had more excitement in the church. I wish we had more clapping. I wish I could see somebody jump over a pew. I mean, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see me jump over a pew. But you know, I think the thing we're missing more than anything else is just getting on our face before God. You know, years ago, when I was pastor in Gerald, I was, I was young. But we got some pews from the Catholic Church. And if you, if you know the Catholic Church, their pews had kneelers. And I thought that was pretty cool for a Baptist church to have kneelers. Hadn't seen it. And so we kind of talked about, man, I said, man, that would be cool. We could actually get down on our knees and we could pray. And one of the guys in the church said, if I want to kneel, I'll go to the Catholic church. And I was, I was trumped. I was outvoted. Can I tell you, one day worship is about getting on our face before God. And when we really get into the presence of God, again, you're not going to be jumping over pews. When we see the holiness of God and realize how unholy we are and the fact that he would love us, I think we're going to be on our face before him. You know, in in, uh, John chapter 4, the only place that Jesus really taught about worship, I believe, is in John chapter 4. I wish I could have say, uh, said that he, he did it to the Baptist pastor. He taught the Baptist pastor, or one of the disciples. But it was actually the Samaritan woman. It was that woman at the well when Jesus encountered her. I believe the only place where Jesus taught about worship was to the Samaritan woman, which I think is kind of interesting. And so if you remember when Jesus met with her, she said to Jesus, you Jews say Jerusalem is where the place is to worship. But we worship God on this mountain. You know, sometimes we associate worship with a certain place. But Jesus responded this way in John chapter 4. A time is coming and is already here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit, from the heart, from the inner self, and in truth. Notice what he says. For the Father seeks such people to be his worshipers. Jesus said that real worship is in spirit and in truth. 
I believe from our innermost being, because God is a spirit and we have a spirit, real worship doesn't have to have anything out here, but it's when you and your spirit are locked into God and you're worshiping God with everything that you have. You know, I believe we should so worship God that at the end of the worship service, we should go out exhausted because we're giving God everything that we are and everything that we have. Jesus says that God is seeking such to worship him, all right? And so I know people say to me, well, Pastor, I, and I've, I've been known to do some crazy things every once in a while. And people say to me, Pastor, I wonder what the visitor thought of that. I wonder what, I wonder what those new members thought of what you did. And I care about the visitor. I care about the new members. But can I tell you, the only thing that really matters is what did God think? What did God think of our worship today? And so again, worship is in spirit and in truth. I love what Paul says in Romans 12. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, dedicating all of yourself, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Paul says literally worship is giving God everything that we are. And so worship isn't about what people are wearing. It isn't about the style of music. It isn't about the pews. It isn't about the temperature. The real worship is coming into the presence of God and literally with our whole, whole self just worshiping God with everything that we are. That's what real worship is is all about. As a matter of fact, kind of surprisingly, as Jesus walked into one of the synagogues and the Jews were notorious for keeping all the rituals of religion. They were very faithful at tithing and fasting and praying and knowing the scripture. But notice what Jesus said to them here in Mark chapter 7 as he quotes from Isaiah. He says, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me. Can I tell you, when we leave today, the only thing that really matters is what did God think about our worship? Was our heart really in the worship? How many of you have ever had your mind distracted during worship? I've sometimes been distracted while I'm preaching. That's bad. That's really bad. I went to church one time and the pastor fell asleep during the worship. I said, I'm not going back to that church. The pastor can't stay awake. I'm, I'm not going to come back. But again, worship is giving God everything we are on the inside. So this morning, I just want to give some observation. What, what is worship? Why do we come together to worship? What is real worship? I think as I look in Revelation 4 and 5, I believe we have a glimpse of the worship in heaven. I love just to every once in a while just read Revelation 4 and 5 and just be reminded, just a glimpse of what real worship is. And so in chapter 4 of Revelation, God is worshipped as creator. And in chapter 5, he's worshipped as savior. So chapter 4, we worship God as creator. Chapter 5, we worship him as savior. I believe part of worship should be worshiping and loving God, who is the creator of all things, but also to love and worship God, who loved us and sent his son to die for us. So those two aspects of worship. So let me just give you some, some, just some overview thoughts. I am not an expert on worship. 
I wish I could worship and lead worship like the team up here. I wish, I, I mean, some ways I think David ought to be talking about worship. But what I know about worship, I just, I know from looking into God's Word. And I've been told, I talked to David, David's back there, I said, I hope when I get to heaven I can sing like David. I've been told when I get to heaven I'm going to be able to sing. I don't know if that's true or not, but I'm going to let it rip in heaven. So here's some just observations about worship in heaven. First of all, everything about worship centers around the throne of God. Worship is not about us. It isn't about any of the surroundings. But everything about real worship always centers around God. I love how John says, I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And then he says, in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures. And these living creatures will have a big part of worship. Now, I don't know exactly who they are. They're angelic beings. The number four, numbers in the Bible always have significance. And I believe the number four is a number connected to earth. And so I think these four creatures, these four angelic beings, have something to do with God's creation. So you would expect them in chapter 4 as we're worshiping God as creator. And so we find these angelic beings. The Bible describes one of them uh, looking like a lion, one of them like a calf, one of them like a flying eagle, and one of them had the face of a man. So again, kind of unusual, but they're right there in the presence of God. All right, a second thing about worship in heaven, it's going to be three-dimensional. Now, when we think about worship here, in some ways, I feel bad that you all have to look at a lot of backs of heads. But in heaven, it's not going to be that way. In heaven, it's going to be circular. I believe not only this way, but I believe this way as well. I believe in worship, when we're centered around the throne, everywhere we look, we're going to see people who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You know, back when I was younger, and yeah, I did, I've done some crazy things, but when I was pastoring at Fairview, we had two rows of pews, standard, what a church would have. And so I had this wild idea on Saturday, I was going to go up, instead of having two rows, I rearranged all the pews so that there were four rows, and that I would preach out in the middle. That was different. And so how many of you know that in a normal, traditional Baptist church, when you come in, it could upset people? And so I was kind of up in the middle of the night wondering, I wonder if I should have done that. But in the middle of the night, on Saturday, I should have prayed about it before I did it, right? I mean, but in the middle of the night, I felt like God, I just saw this verse in, in Revelation, I felt like God saying, that's how worship's going to be in heaven. I can t- it was just really crazy when I was preaching and there was people all around me. And so I had to constantly be moving around as I was, as I was talking. But I believe worship in heaven is going to be three-dimensional. I believe as we're worshiping God, again, as we look around and see people from every tribe and tongue and people, I think we are going to be blown away at the grace of God. And of all the people that that, that I'm going to be most surprised will be there will be me. I can tell you that. I have no doubt that, that people that I went to school with in high school that made it are going to look at me and say, wow. I didn't think he was going to make it. God's grace is amazing. So I believe that that worship will be three-dimensional. Another thing about worship from just looking in Revelation 4 and 5, it's going to be continuous. It's going to be nonstop. 
I love how it says here about these four living creatures. They do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Here's these angelic beings who understand the holiness of God. And they do not rest day or night, day or night. They continue to say, holy, holy, holy. You know, I've had people say, Pastor, I don't want to hear a chorus over five times. I just don't like hearing that repeated ten times. I'm going to tell you in heaven, you're going to hear this over and over and over. Let's all say it just one time. As we're going to hear these angels saying, let's, let's, let's read together. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And another thing you find in heaven, when one group begins to praise God, everybody wants to join in. No one can sit back and let one group praise God. Everybody wants to join in. And so heaven is not only continuous worship, but it's very spontaneous. Notice what it says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, and when do they do it? Day and night. Day and night. Nonstop saying, Holy, holy, holy. And so as they're praising God, the Bible says the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever. I believe these 24 elders, just in a nutshell, represent the old New Testament believers. I believe one day we're going to fall down, as the word itself kind of has the idea of being prostrate before God, when we get to heaven and see the holiness of God. When we realize how holy God is, that he loved us so much that he didn't want to have heaven without us, that Jesus came down, took on an earth suit, and died on the cross for our sin so that you and I could spend an eternity in heaven. We're going to be very amazed. And I believe we're just going to spend a lot of time in worship, just literally just down on our face before God. The Bible says they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Let's say that together. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And so I believe we too are going to worship and just love on God. Number five, a thought is, as we've already mentioned, that much of worship is going to be face down, prostrate before God. And again, I know people say, I, I mean, I wish we had excitement. I wish we had people jumping up and down. But maybe more than anything else, when we really get in the presence of God, more than any other one thing, we're just going to want to get on our face before God. When we realize the holiness of God and that he would love us. So the 24 elders fall down before God. And all the glory in heaven, quite obviously, belongs to God. It says the 24 elders cast their crowns before the throne. You know, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be about what I've done or what you've done. But all of us, whatever rewards we've received from God, we're literally going to give those back to God, realizing that everything we have and everything we are was because of His grace. And we're going to cast our crowns before the throne and just worship him. It really does center around the throne. A seventh thing about the worship in heaven is that heaven is loud. This one bothers me a little bit. 
How many of you ever, 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 everybody say, it, it was just too loud, pastor. It was too loud. That preacher was too loud. Everything in heaven seems to be loud. Now, I'm one of those guys, I like it quiet. I'm boring. I like it quiet. But when you study heaven, you study the worship in heaven, everything is loud. Everybody is giving everything they are to God. Again, you ought to walk out exhausted because you've given God everything. If there's ever a time to shout, it should be in church. If there's ever a time to give your best, it should be to God. He's worthy of our best. I've shared at some point in the past, but old Frank Childers, who used to pastor First Baptist St. Clair, got to know Frank. He was very laid back, calm. He was, he was, he was very Baptist pastor-like. I went down, I was preaching for him down in Houston, Missouri, and his son was in a track meet, and uh, I'll never forget, we were sitting up there watching his son, just observing, and he's the pastor in, in the town there, I mean, it's not a real big town, and so he should, he should act respectable. And so his son's coming around the final race, and Frank lost it. He jumps off of the ledge we're sitting on. He runs down to the track, and he's running along his son, a side of his son, going, Woo! Go, boy, go! Woo! And Frank, you lost it. I remember saying to Frank, Frank, I have never loved you more than that moment. Can I tell you, however excited you get in life, it shouldn't be more than what we give God. And I tell you, more exciting than the Kansas City Chiefs and the St. Louis Cardinals and the Blues is God. I got some people coming to church. I, I, Pastor, I just can't only talk. I was at the game yesterday. I can't only talk. Well, then scream your voice off. Wouldn't it be great if we locked out of worship every week just exhausted? Because we gave God everything. Because he's worthy. And so everything in heaven is going to be loud. From the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, voices. And then he says, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with what? Loud voice. Why does he got to talk loud? Because everything's so loud. If you're going to be heard, you got to be louder. Everything just gets louder and louder as you go through Revelation. Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And so in chapter 5, they begin to worship God as Savior. And I mean all of heaven erupts when the Lamb, and by the way, he sees the Lamb standing as though it had been slain. Throughout all eternity, we're going to see the Son as a Lamb as though it had been slain. Someone said to me one time, the only thing man-made we'll see in heaven is the marks of Calvary on Jesus. Throughout all eternity, you're going to be reminded that God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We are going to be blown away that God, holy God, would love us that much. It's going to be pretty amazing. And so everything in heaven is going to be loud. Number eight, everything in heaven is going to be very colorful. I don't even, I, I mean, I can't even really describe it, but John says in chapter 4 that he who sat on the throne was like a jasper and sardius stone, a rainbow 
around the throne that looked like an emerald. There were white robes, gold crowns. I mean, there's going to be unbelievable color in heaven. People who have afterlife experiences and come back talk about the splendor and the color of heaven. And I think it's even going to be greater around the throne. Number nine is everyone will participate. There's going to be no spectators in heaven. There's going to be nobody off to the side that's just keeping notes of what's going on. All of us are going to be involved. Why is worship important? Why as believers do we come together to worship? It's important for all of us who are born again, who have been saved by the grace of God, to be a part of worship. And so everybody will participate. Notice how, again, it just, everything just kind of begins to happen. The four living creatures and the 24 elders, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which the Bible says are the prayers of the saints. By the way, when I studied Revelation many years ago, I, 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 I'd never been interested in harp music. How many of you have harp music as your Fab Five on your, your playlist? I never did listen to harp music. But I went out and bought me a harp CD. One of the things we know in heaven, there's going to be some harp music. And the Bible says they have the prayers, the bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And the Bible says the bowls are full. Can I tell you, every prayer you pray that you didn't thank God above the ceiling, God holds on to that prayer. And part of worship in heaven and part of what God has done is a result of our prayers. That's pretty cool. To know that every prayer you pray, God keeps in a bowl. And one day, those bowls are going to be full. And so part of worship, part of God's grace, is a result of us praying to God over the years. And then the Bible says they sang a new song. I don't like new songs all the time. How many of you like your old favorite? You like what you like. My dad, he's into bluegrass. My dad told me more than one time, son, when we get to heaven, it's going to be bluegrass music. How many of you think heaven's going to be your kind of music? We all think that. I think, I think we all hope that. But we're going to sing a new song saying, and let's just say this together because we're going to say it one day, starting with you are worthy, all right? Let's just say this to Jesus. We're speaking to Jesus because he and he alone is worthy. So let's say it together. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God. And so we're going to bombard Jesus with you are worthy. You've redeemed us out of every tribe and tongue and people. When we get to heaven, there's going to be people literally from every remote part of the earth who have been redeemed by the blood and the love of God. I think we're going to be so blown away by the scene of heaven and by the grace of God that we're all there. And part of coming together even now is we get to celebrate all the diversity of a, of a church body to come together and worship God. That's why worship, I think, is so important. And so when we begin to praise, then the angels join in. No one can sit back when a group begins to praise God. Notice what John says. I heard the voice of 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands of angels saying with what? Loud voice. Everything gets louder. 
I think God's going to have to have a, a worship course for some of us. Me. So they say with a loud voice. I mean, they're all around when they're hearing us praise Jesus and love on Jesus. They want in on it. And so they say with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Man, the angels began to just love on God and ascribe to God all these blessings of praise. And then the creatures, I'm not sure who this is. But it says, then every creature which is in heaven on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, I heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And then the four living creatures said, amen. amen. They're so excited, they even amen. And then the Bible says the 24 elders fall down and they worship him who lives forever and ever. We're going to be exhausted in heaven if we had these earth suits. But thankfully, God's going to give us a new body. But worship in heaven is going to be continual. It's just going to be spontaneous. And the last thing I just want to say is I just kind of look at worship in heaven. There seems to be uh, the doxology or the giving of praise, which is a big part of worship, is just praising God. It seems to get bigger as you go through Revelation. Let me just give you an example. And let's just read these together. So in chapter 1, it says, To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And then in chapter 4, the threefold doxology, it says, Worthy are you to receive glory, honor, and power. And then in chapter 5, there's a fourfold doxology. To the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And then finally in chapter 7, a sevenfold doxology. Let's say it together. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God. So why is worship a vital part of a body of believers? I believe in heaven we're going to be worshiping together. And part of our journey here is learning to be amazed at the grace of God. To be amazed that God would love us and we can worship him as creator and as savior. I want us to stand together if we can. I just, want to I just want us to take a moment and just love on God. Maybe it's been a while since you've really been amazed at his grace. But I just want you to take a moment to think that the God of this universe that is holy, holy, holy would so love us and so desire us to be in eternity with him that he would allow Jesus to die on the cross so that you and I could have heaven. I just want you to take a moment and just love on God. Just thank him for being our creator. Thank him for being our savior. Maybe you're here today and you're not 100% sure that if you were to step into eternity today, that you would spend an eternity in heaven. And it's not about having your name on a church roll, but it is about having your name on the Lamb's Book of Life. 
I would think how sad it would be if there was one person in this room that wasn't there on the other side because they never trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior. That would be so sad. And so I want to just pray just a simple prayer. And if you're here today and you just feel a tug in your heart and you're not 100% sure that if you were to die today that you would spend an eternity in heaven. I want you to pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I realize today how much you love me. That you died on the cross for my sin. I ask you to forgive me and to come into my life as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. Thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to encourage you to tell somebody before you leave. If you're here this morning as a believer, I want to challenge you to reread Revelation 4 and 5. Just kind of sit before God and let Him just love on you and just show you some additional things about what real worship is. It really is a privilege to gather together and to worship with church family. Because one day in heaven, there's not going to be a worship service for the Baptists and one for the Methodists and one for the Catholic and one for the Charismatic. We're all going to be together worshiping God. And I'm so thankful that God unites us together with His Spirit. Let's take just a moment. If you guys, if you wouldn't mind just playing through something softly. If you're here today... And maybe for the first time in your life you prayed that prayer or you want to pray that prayer, you can slip out and come. We would love to talk to you about it. Maybe you're visiting and this is where God is leading you to get plugged in. We invite you to come. Maybe you just need someone to pray with you or pray for you. We would love to do that. Let's take a moment. Would you just kind of build an altar right where you are? And would you just love on God and just express praise and gratitude? Before I close in prayer, I want to do something. Everybody on this side, if you'll just turn and look that way, and everybody on this side, turn and look that way. I just want you to see the grace of God. One day in heaven, with the throne in the middle, I believe we're going to be able to see brothers and sisters all around us who have been redeemed by the blood. I just want you to just see a face or two and would you just pray for that person this week I'm going to ask Daryl if he will to come up here I'm going to ask you to lead us in prayer and then we're going to have a closing song love you guys again for me it's a privilege for us to be able to gather and worship it's not something we have to do but I believe it prepares our heart for that worship one day in heaven And so I hope that worship is a vital part of who you are as a believer. Again, appreciate uh, Daryl and Becky being here.
These guys have devoted their life to getting the gospel literally into the four corners of the earth. And so it's an honor to have them with us. And I know that in heaven, you're going to see some people that you had an impact on. And so it's just going to be an amazing time. So I appreciate them. Appreciate them being here. So I'm going to ask him to pray for us. And then we're going to close out with a song. God bless you. Father, how do, we, um, how do we thank you for all that you've done? We worship you today for who you are. Holy, holy, holy is your name, God. Thank you for bringing us to a time of worship this morning for the reminder from your son, Pastor Roger, of our need to worship, our call to worship you. And Father, missions exist in the world, carrying the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations because we go where mission, where worship does not exist. So Father, we pray for those on the front line of gospel awareness today. Thank you for this church that supports missions to unreached people groups, to those who are not worshiping, who do not know you, as Psalm 96 says, who are worshiping idols in vain. Father, Holy Spirit, would you work today in the hearts of the nations to bring people like us who are saved by your grace, would you bring them to the saving knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ. We look forward to that day in Revelation 5.9 and Revelation 7.9 where it says every tribe, every tongue, every family on the earth will be represented and we will, as Brother Roger said, be enjoying worship ecumenically, interdenominationally, and across cultures of every nation and tribe. Thank you for the privilege of worship this morning, Father, practicing what we're going to be experiencing for eternity. So we thank you for the Ridge Church. Thank you for the body of believers. And I want to just pray for this church, Lord, that they would continue to be light and salt in this community. That every person in this church who's a, a believer, a follower of Jesus, would have an impact on his neighbor, in the workplace, in the community, in the family, in the homes. That the light of Jesus would shine in our lives. Again, we thank you for this time of worship this morning. Go with us as we leave this place to continue that heart of worship the rest of this day and this week ahead. In Jesus' name we all pray. Amen.